good evening and a warm welcome to all present here it is my great pleasure to be standing here in front of you for the book launch of cast as social capital by professor r vaidyanathan he will later talk about this book i would now like to call upon shri nitin shridhar to escort professor r vaidyanathan to the dais we will start our program with a devotional song by kumari Am- ananya and amulya santata maha kunjara mukham shankara sutam tamiha shri vignarajam bhaje santata maham danti sundara mukham antakaataka sutam tamiha shri vignarajam bhaje ಶ್ರೀ ವಿಘ್ನರಾಜ ಭಜೆ ಶ್ರೀ ವಿಘ್ನರಾಜ ಭಜೆ ಹಂ ಭಜೆ ಹಂ ಭಜೆ ಹಂ ಭಜೆ ತಮಿಹ ಶ್ರೀ ವಿಘ್ನರಾಜ ಭಜೆ ಸೇವಿತ ಸುರೇಂದ್ರ ಮಹನೀಯ ಗುಣಶೀಲ ಸೇವಿತ ಸುರೇಂದ್ರ ಮಹನೀಯ ಗುಣಶೀಲ ಜಪ ತಪ ಸಮಾಧಿ ಸುಖವರದಾನುಕೂಲ ಸೇವಿತ ಸುರೇಂದ್ರ ಮಹನೀಯ ಗುಣಶೀಲ ಜಪ ತಪ ಸಮಾಧಿ ಸುಖವರದಾನುಕೂಲ ಭಾವಿತ ಸುರಮಣಿಗಣ ಭಕ್ತ ಪರಿಪಾಲ ಭಯಕರ ವಿಶಂಗಮ ತಂಗಕುಲಕಾಲ ಶ್ರೀ ವಿಘ್ನರಾಜ ಭಜೆ ಶ್ರೀ ವಿಘ್ನರಾಜ ಭಜೆ ಕನಕೇಯೂರ ಹಾರಾವಳಿ ಕಲಿತ ಗಂಭೀರ ಗೌರಗಿರಿಶೋಭಂ ಸುಶೋಭಂ ಕನಕೇಯೂರ ಹಾರಾವಳಿ ಕಲಿತ ಗಂಭೀರ ಗೌರಗಿರಿಶೋಭಂ ಸುಶೋಭಂ ಕಾಮಿ ಭಯಭರಿತ ಮೂಢಮದ ಕಲಿ ಕಲುಷ ಕಂಠಿತ ಮಖಂಡ ಪ್ರತಾಪಂ ಕಾಮಿ ಭಯಭರಿತ ಮೂಢಮರ ಕಲಿ ಕಲುಷ ಕಂಠಿತ ಮಖಂಡ ಪ್ರತಾಪಂ ಸನಕ ಸುಖ ನಾರದ ಪದಂಜಲಿ ಪರಾಶರ ಮದಗ ಮುನಿ ಸಂಗ ಸಲಾಪ ಸತ್ಯ ಪರಮಾಜನಯನ ಪ್ರಮುದ ಮುಕ್ತಿಕರ ತತ್ವಮಸಿ ನಿತ್ಯ ನಿಗಮಾಧಿ ಸ್ವರೂಪಂ ಶ್ರೀ ವಿಘ್ನರಾಜ ಭಜೆ ಶ್ರೀ ವಿಘ್ನರಾಜ ಭಜೆ ಹಂ ಭಜೆ ಹಂ ಭಜೆ ಹಂ ಭಜೆ ತಮಿಹ ಶ್ರೀ ವಿಘ್ನರಾಜ ಭಜೆ ಶ್ರೀ ವಿಘ್ನರಾಜ ಭಜೆ ಶ್ರೀ ವಿಘ್ನರಾಜ ಭಜೆ ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ ಯು ಅನನ್ಯ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಅಮೂಲ್ಯ it was really mesmerizing i know one of our highlights of the events is song by ananya and amulya uh, i would like to uh, request shri nitin shridhar ji to introduce indic academy and our guest professor r vaidyanathan just a short introduction to indic academy and uh, what we do uh, indic academy is a non traditional university for traditional knowledge we seek to preserve protect and promote indic civilizational knowledge and values b- and build a renaissance around it we have a multi city presence around 20 cities in india and uh, some 10 cities outside india we regularly conduct talks workshops retreats to promote indic knowledge and also provide grants to various initiatives so uh, recently we we did a retreat in um, uh, near shrirangapatnam four days retreats before that we did uh, workshops uh, by dr bharat gupta in mysore itself so uh, indica mysore this is i think um, sixth or seventh event in mysore and hopefully we'll be doing more and more events in future dr r vaidyanathan 
is a retired professor of finance at IIM Bangalore. He is two times Fulbright scholar and a fellow of ICSSR and visiting faculty at various universities at USA, UK and other places. And he has been selected by Business Today as one of the 10 best professors at, uh, at all times in IIMs. He has the rare privilege of being uh, in the various committees of the regulators like SEBI, RBI, etc. He is consultant to many organizations and is on the board of many corporations. He has been uh, conferred Life Contribution Award by Asia Pacific Risk and Insurance uh, Association and Kaibo Life in 2019. He has written three books. His book, India, um, Ro Role of Non-Corporate -co Sectors in India, focuses on Indian and Asian value systems. Ha it has received, it has been very well received by the planners and policy makers alike. His other book on black money and tax havens was well received as well. And the, today's talk, uh, he will be speaking on his recent book, uh, which is cast as a social capital. He is on the advisory council of Vivekananda International Foundation and is also honorary dean of economic studies. He is a member of National Security Advisory Board under National Security Council. He is an adjunct professor of Auro University, Surat, and Cho S. Ramaswamy Chair Professor in Public Policy at uh, Shastra University. A very warm welcome to you, sir. I, I request uh, Padmavati ji to uh, welcome him with a fruits. <laughs> Now I uh, re request uh, Professor Ji to address the gathering. Yeah, uh, so we will we will have the unveiling of his book first, and then uh, he will address the gathering. long holiday season, right? I also would like to thank uh, Nisinji and uh, Madam for organizing this at this uh, uh, city, which I would rather call the cultural capital of at least southern part of Karnataka, because uh, people in Darwad will not allow me there if I say the whole Karnataka, right? So we will keep it to Southern Karnataka, right, cultural. And actually I am always uh, happy to visit such places. For instance, the type of invocation given here, I don't think I will be able to get in Bombay or uh, even in Bangalore, right. These places actually resonate with a significant amount of uh, what one can call, what the Indic Academy stands for and uh, the type of programs they are having and other things. And of course, <coughs> the books he mentioned are all available there. I would of course encourage all of you to buy them. I am not asking you to read it. I am only asking you to buy it. That's enough for me, actually. Because uh, reading is a habit which, has, which is going away. Right? Not many people are reading. Writing has gone long time before. It's only typing now not writing. My students, if they, you know, if, they, if I ask them to write something, they feel it is a human right violation and other thing, you know. So, no writing. It, they want just to tick, what do you call, multiple answers or type in the computer. So, next is reading is also slowly going. Actually, one girl asked me last uh, semester, sir, can you put all your these lectures in audio form and give it to me? I was puzzled actually because from a regular lecture they went into this, uh, what is that called, PowerPoint. Right? And PowerPoint also they told, sir, three points only you show, not more than that. And four slides only, all that restriction. Now audio, uh, I asked her, sir, if it is audio when I am jogging or, you know, when I am uh, planning to take bath or something, I can listen to your 
lectures. This is sort of a... So, I was just thinking, we are going back again to the old Sruti system, where this, uh, you know, Upanishads and Vedas, I was told, all by audio. Hearsay only. There is no written thing. So, we have completed one full circle in terms of uh, listening and uh, understanding things. Anyhow, in case uh, you are uh, buying it and uh, if you are interested, I am there available to autograph it. I will sign it and go. Along with that, uh, uh, my friend uh, Nitin's uh, books are also there, actually. He has done an exhaustive study on the issue of menstruation. It's uh, something very, very fascinating. After this, I am sure it is Sabarimala thing. It's a very exhaustive study of different uh, cultures, uh, different countries, uh, different type of uh, uh, people. You know, what are the various type of uh, uh, issues involved in that? So that uh, book is also there, along with this uh, earlier book on uh, basic uh, understanding of uh, Hindu systems and other. So that also I would encourage you to buy and read it, right? Okay. Now, this book uh, actually, you know, <laughs> when I started it itself, many people were asking. Like, uh, Madam was asking, <laughs> what made you think of doing this book? So that is the first, uh, you know, type of a uh, thing. So I have been, uh, what happened is, um, somewhere around the 90s, if I remember, uh, mid-90s, I had occasion to go to some of the locations, some of the places where actually people are involved in economic activity. In the sense of the United Nations Council says that there are something like 800 clusters in India. And actually, you know, these clusters are clusters of economic activity in different places. And uh, much later I found out most of these clusters are actually caste clusters, which has not been talked about at all in our discussions and other things. They are as if they are autonomous economic entities which have come up, like Swambu we call it, you know, by itself, which is not... Uh, so I had occasion to visit couple of them, one in Tirupur, uh, one in Surat. And then I was abroad. And in the west coast of US, I found that uh, most of the small, you know, what are called small inns, or they are called motels there. They are all run by patels from Gujarat. And actually, they are nowadays called patels, not even motels. So that is the one group, small group. And within patel, of course, there are Kadua patel and Levu patels. And Levu patels are the more active in this. And uh, Practically, they are controlling the entire motel industry in the West Coast. And now they have entered into, from the motel, they went into this uh, petrol pumps. Petrol pumps, they had this, uh, you know, pharmaceutical and retail shops and other thing. And they have also gone into now this uh, trucking, which is one of the major industries in U.S. actually. And almost all is by this uh, one community. And they get people from their uh, place. Along with that, I also happened to visit Antwerp in Belgium. Then I found out that it's one of the major diamond centers in the world, actually. And uh, I was staying in one of those uh, small hotels, you know, three-star or something. When I went to the dining hall, there was a board called Jane Mills. I was surprised, actually. What is this in Ant? This is far, far away from India. And Antwerp, and uh, I, if there is a board vegetarian, that itself would have surprised me to start with. But this is much more involved in terms of Jain meat. I asked the uh, uh, owner, and he told they are our major customers here. So then I found out that a very small microscopic group of India, maybe 0.0001%, maybe Palanpur Jains, they control significant portion of the diamond market in uh, the world today. In 1970, if you go back, roughly 70% of it was controlled by Jews, people of uh, Jewish origin, and 30% uh, by others. Today, 70% is controlled by Palanpur Jains and Patels, rest by the others. It's a matter of, you know, 40 years. Some of them originally had some diamonds, brought it to Surat, polished it, cut it, polished it and other things. Skilled labor is available there. Uh, because nearby Saurashtra there is a 
significant amount of drought and other thing many people moved in and uh, then uh, they slowly uh, you know instead of polishing and cutting why don't we also set up shop in uh, europe and then the wall street journal wrote a very nice uh, article quite some time before the first time in the history of the world history jews were defeated in business without violence it's a very very interesting observation because always jews were defeated but with a lot of violence you know their shops were attacked they were burnt and all that thing. but these people have come to such a then i had occasion to visit tirupur one town many of you would have heard about it near coimbatore actually it's one of the major uh, export center for uh, innerwear and hosiery and other thing the tirupur then uh, now today their export is of the order of something like uh, 10 to 11 billion actually it's a huge export market at that time around uh, 2000 or something uh, i met with some of them having turnover of something like 800 900 crores that time today it is some of them have got turnover of two th- you know 15000 16000 crores which is much larger than many of the big companies in the country actually and uh, all of that is uh, mainly by one group called gounders in that area actually kongunad gounders they call themselves and uh, again it was a drought prone area and then they wanted to do something different and somebody got this machine for uh, making this hosiery uh, items then they started on a small scale then they have and uh, entire amount of borrowing lending entire amount of capital all that is within the community then i visited another place called shivakasi which also most of you would have heard about it it's uh, one of the major uh, now today more in the news because of all this pollution and other thing it's a cracker thing originally it was a matchbox making it was around 1934 35 there was a massive drought in that area urdunagar swakasi belt two nadars went to calcutta and then they uh, they were sent to calcutta by a friend in uh, madras he told uh, why don't you go and join this vimco they are announcing lot of uh, job opportunities in the newspapers you go and join they went and joined but uh, vimco was the only company that time they learnt the art of you know the mixing the uh, you know this uh, powder and uh, making matches so they came back and set up a small shop of making matches and uh, the two nadars and then uh, you know it uh, got sold in and around that locality then it became very famous and so many other this became a huge business uh, uh, today roughly 60 to 65% of the matchbox uh, thing is controlled by this uh, group actually in uh, sevagasi and they expanded because they had access, access to matchbox they expanded to fire fire crackers what you may loosely call uh, uh, integration in terms of forward integration from firecrackers because they were using large amount of uh, the newspapers for packing and other thing they went into the printing industry they are the largest printing source in the country today lokasi they have excellent printing facilities all these flux boards and you know uh, the heroes welcome and the leaders uh, thing are all done from there actually obama <coughs> got 500 diaries exclusively for distributing among heads of state and various other uh, dignitaries by him 500 special diaries and these diaries were all made in sokasi not anywhere and some of these is not even known to people within the then 2000 happened i had occasion to look at the world bank report they were they prepare annual reports on world development thing two pages were devoted to tripur how the gounder community as a community could develop that into a global hub or network and how their businesses have expanded and there were a lot of interesting thing which we will in a minute mention most of these entrepreneurs are uh, less than 10th class very important as a management uh, professor i realized there is a inverse correlation between entrepreneurship and education at that point of time itself more you get educated more your risk covers 
you begin to analyze you begin to build models and other thing and then decide this will not work and then but these eight standard people they just one of the many of them i had interacted interviewed and he just told we we enter sir it's all right he says sir can you be you know looking at your theoretical model when you want to learn swimming what do you do what we all do he said is we jump into the uh, river that's all some of us get uh, hurt some of us don't uh, breathe properly we come out and then again we jump so this something very interesting very low levels of uh, education and actually one of them i can mention this uh, he regularly travels to europe he is in the air france he, he travels first class not even business class he is one of the highly respected customers he wears ordinary dhoti and uh, one time i was coming after attending some conference or something i was in the cattle class obviously you know i am not in the uh, first or business or anywhere near that right but i met him in the lounge and i was talking to him he he knows only tamil so his name is actually arnold arumugam because he born on the day in which the fellow landed on the moon so his parents thought better to name i asked him you do not know english how do you manage he is running his turnover at that point of time itself was some 9000 crore or something so i he told professor you should know one thing in france also people don't know don't know english so that i i enjoyed that response right so he says it doesn't really matter actually because uh, he says uh, the language is our language is language of money we understand and i know the texture design what they want and because you know there is a lead lag some of you may be knowing for the next uh, years uh, you know winter collection this uh, now itself they have to be working on another thing so all this made me think or rather you know rethink about what is the type of development which is happening in the country so i decided and then i i got some funding and other thing then i travel to large number of these clusters at gujarat punjab then uh, andhra pradesh tamil nadu various type of cluster and more i traveled more i visited more i was convinced that caste plays a very very major role in these activities in some way or other and uh, it's not something which uh, can be ignored in all the period between 1950 uh, you know, to 1980 so many reports of planning commission never ever mention about this dimension of the economic uh, activities being they all talk about so many other input output models and this and that and nothing 87 there is one report about uh, leather industry in calcutta wherein they highlighted about uh, the muslim role in the leather, leather industry and it also covered ambur very nearer to uh, chennai on the actually it is on the chennai bangalore route actually. there also there they told the role of muslims is very important in leather industry because many of the caste hindus do not want to handle this uh, leather issue and scs are also there along with the muslims so this is the first time a community or a group was mentioned in our uh, what one can call policy documents not otherwise then after that there are some more studies and other thing okay first we will very briefly introduce uh, these issues of the caste all right incidentally there is no census of how many people belong to which caste and other thing in india in 1881 the british started the census in india and that is the first time they wanted to identify people as per caste right 1881 and that is the first time also hierarchy was created before that there were a lot of caste discussion and other thing but there was no proper hierarchy it sort of you know this is number 1 number 2 nothing like that it's all very and many of these much before if you go many of the so called uh, you know whatever we nowadays call in terms of backward caste and other thing they were all actually the ruling caste if you go back in history 571 samasthanams or rather the kingdoms including this one 
was merged by Sardar Vallabh Patel. And interestingly, all 571 were belonging to what you may loosely call today what are called backward caste. It is not actually backward caste. Or the other word used for that is OBC. OBC or SC. Some of the kingdoms were also ruled by SCSTs. None of the kingdom were ruled by what is currently known as forward caste. This is something very interesting actually. So anyhow, the 1881 census, there was no... Uh, they started the hierarchy. British wanted. The commissioner says in 1891 census, the explanation is, in Britain we have four categories of people. Right? Civil servants who are senior, then middle level officers, then uh, clerks and peons. In the, so, we also thought four is the best number to fix you all. So, in the mirror image of UK, we wanted to create another uh, system for India. That is the thing. And, uh, of course, a lot of discussion is about caste oppression and other things. Much of it is, you know, balloony. Much of it, because if there are really caste oppression, as Dharampal asked uh, in his famous book on uh, the trees, actually. There should have been large-scale wars in India, caste wars between Kurmis and Rajputs, between Tevars and, you know, uh, Vaniyars and all over the country, there should have been massive amount of wars throughout the history. You look at Europe. Europe had only wars, actually, among various clans, groups and subsects. But um, there is, I asked some uh, good friends of mine in JNU, Marxist historian, are there any major caste wars in India? Right? Wars between kings were always there, but that is not caste wars. You know, explicitly one caste fighting that. So, they have not, uh, they told no. But I told it's very fascinating. India is a very peculiar country where thousand years people are oppressed, but there is no major revolt or war, right? Except some skirmishes, that is also post-independence period, in the period of, you know, 40s and later. Anyhow, in uh, 1881, we had 1929 caste were identified. And uh, very interesting is, there were 300 castes less than 10 members. Only thus people rose their hand for that caste, not more than that. And much more interesting is, there were castes in which uh, one member caste were there. That's around 100 plus. That is only one fellow told I belong to this caste, nobody else told. That in mathematical we call it a set of one element. Right? Ek, that's all. So, 1991, these uh, Britishers were not happy about it. They felt we have not done a... So, what they did is, in the next census, they asked the enumerator, you look at the fellow and put him in one caste. You cannot, uh, you know, leave people at all. So, catch hold of Pagado, right? If he is white face, you put him. Whatever you think, you put him into that caste. See, they openly say, actually, they were putting it. And to that extent, they wanted to enlarge the basket of, that is, they wanted everybody in India to be belonging to one caste or other. So, don't leave anybody. So, the enumerator, you can imagine the enumerator being given the responsibility, which is the most ridiculous thing, right? It's, you know, like, you know, he would come and uh, he will look at you. Okay, this man is with a mush, so he should be uh, in this caste. This man is without mushtash, so he will be. Whatever he feels, the local enumerator, he will decide. But uh, this was going on till 1931. That was the last census. That is the last official data we have got on caste number of people in India, 1931, which was used by the Mandal Commission. In 1981, uh, 1981, to decide how many people should get how much reservation. That is based on 1931 census. 1941, there was no census because of the Second World War. So, there was some small, uh, not a big census. 1951, Nehru declared we have become casteless society. You know, in India, you should, I think most of you know, most of it is by declaration only, right? We, for instance, dowry has been abolished, right? All of you are smiling. I thought, you, don't you know that? Dowry has been 
abolished. When? 63. We have loss against Dowry has gone actually. So like that Nehru told there is no caste. All nodded their heads. So no more enumeration of caste. Many things we do by declaration. Right? Poverty has been removed, abolished. Right? Market economy has been introduced. Right? And uh, somebody was telling, in Bangalore, potholes have been filled up. This something. Huh? I don't know about Mysore. At least in Bangalore. You know, I stay in one road called Banargata Road. I do not know. Some of you may be knowing about that road, right? 1980 onward, that road is in the repair continuously. Recently, I saw one contractor, one corporator, and one corporation official. All three were doing a puja on that road. I told, Kya guy, why are you doing this, sir? I asked. No, sir, you don't know, but for this road, we could not have become Kurorpathis, each of us. <laughs> Last 15 years, our children, we can put it into medical college because of this road. So, we want to give our pronouns to this road. And we want this road to be renamed Kamadenu Road. <laughs> so, and this uh, corporation, on uh, minister in charge or somebody, says they told potholes have been... So, in India, mostly you should know many of these things are by declaration or assertion. That's all. So, after that, you can't even question. We have passed a law in the... They may even do that, actually. In Karnataka Assembly, they may pass a law that there are no potholes in Karnataka. What do you do? By majority vote and democratically, we have decided, sir, there is no... And why are you unnecessarily again and again? And they, if you say again potholes, they may even take you for contempt of... Assembly, put you before speaker and... No. So, Nehru told no more of this census. So, the census was stopped. Then, uh, there is no data. So, 1931 data only we have been using. And all the discussion you will find in television channel and this and that, you know. These are all what I call POTA data. P-O-T-A. Pulled out of thin air. That's all. You will just say, sir, Linkayats are very majority in this. How do you know? No, sir, we think. Another fellow will say, no, 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 sir, not Linkayats. Actually, Idigas are more here. We should put a candidate like. All this discussion is based on purely hunch and surmise. There is no, there is no official data available to us. Periodically, of course, uh, last five, six years, every politician want, want a caste census in India. There is a debate and discussion and other. So finally, 2011, uh, we have annuals, I am sure most of you would be aware of it. 2021 is coming now. 2011 census, it was felt we should ask for a caste census. A big debate about it and other thing. It went to, up to cabinet. Finally, it was decided we will not be able to have it along with the regular census, but we will conduct a parallel census on caste. It was conducted actually. Some of you might have got visits from enumerators and not just caste, socio-economic and other conditions also. Like, do you have a fridge, do you have a uh, you know, microwave and all that thing was covered. This was for 2011 exercise. But there itself, there was a lot of confusion. How to define a caste? You may all be smiling, but it's a very major challenge. You know, because each person perceives himself to belonging to, for instance, Jats. There is a community called Jats, I am sure all of you would. There are 403 subcategories. Each one feels that he is the only Jat. 403. Here I am sure in that recently, last year, there was a huge debate about Linkayat, right? They found out there are 93 subcasts among Linkayat. This was officially, and of that, four of them belong to listed, scheduled caste communities. They are under reservation, but they are linked. So, how to define a caste? What is happening in the last couple of decades, two decades, I would say, not earlier, there is an aggregation taking place in caste. Earlier, there was a differentiation. Everybody wanted to be a caste within, you know. Now they are all getting aggregated. In Tamil Nadu, there is a cause called Tevar in the last uh, 
15 20 years earlier there was no tevars there were kallar maravar and agamudiyar that's all now they have all combined together and calling themselves as tevar like here wakaligas for instance there is a huge if you go back in 30 years in history you will find so many subsets and so many subsets not all of them are agreeing now all of them are calling them the reason is voting once the democracy sets in people want to aggregate because it is much good to aggregate for instance the if you call yourself as linka it is much more advantageous to have a larger network of people supporting your cause or reason or whatever it is right so the aggregation is taking place now compared to the earlier period in the 30s and 40s where there was a differentiation everybody wanted to claim themselves to belonging to one particular group anyhow 2011 was done they ended up that was a real real big issue what happened is it is not it been officially released by government the enumerator went to 330 million households 33 crore households household is as defined in the census data in terms of having a common kitchen and other thing they ended up with a list of 4.6 million entries of caste 4.6 million caste entries they had it's there and uh, that been 72 households used the same phrase to identify their caste one caste 72 households only on an average this created a huge huge issue and uh, 65000 caste are not able to be classified anywhere there is another so what does you know you i think many of you may be knowing by now i'm sure what does the government do government do did was we will study this thoroughly and they didn't release it it's a very complicated thing so they asked the new planning commission most of you would have heard about it niti ayog to go into this issue niti ayog collected all that and kept it we are closely mon- closely monitoring means what we are not doing anything about it i am sure you are aware of it right there is a heavy floods sir the whole uh, village is inundated everybody is dying we are closely monitoring the uh, situation ordinarily monitoring mean i am they are looking at the television channel or something only closely monitoring is a very serious issue they have just kept it so <clears throat> this is the what one can call story of the recent attempt now in karnataka i am sure many of you might be remembering there was a huge demand for caste census earlier uh, you know chandabasavapa uh, there are lot of other studies are there socio economic condition of karnataka on the basis of which all these uh, uh, categories of reservation were created in terms of you know uh, schedule 1a 1b another thing in 2017 they attempted a socio economic census in karnataka so this uh, karnataka census was done and uh, counting was also done another thing there is a periodically there is a clamor to release that data right and the government is closely monitoring they are not wanting to uh, release that data uh, i can release it unofficially here what is happening is traditionally it is believed that linkayat and wakaligas are the largest community in karnataka this is the what you may loosely call belief faith or myth whatever you call it right and uh, it's always claimed that uh, linkayat are 19% or anywhere between 17 to 19 depending upon where you which television station you uh, get into and uh, wakaligas are supposed to be 14 to 16 this is the so these two are the and anybody else uh, getting into power and other thing is uh, you know very major but this census which was conducted they found out scs constitute 20% in the state and uh, muslims constitute 16.5 17% so very explosive census so if you add scs and muslims it comes to 37% largest segment in karnataka 
not the other two which are and they only make up lenkayat make up only 13% and okaligas make up only 10% so what was decided is we will closely study this report right this is and uh, this was even some people asked in the legislative assembly that this uh, report should be released they told no we will closely study this uh, report and then uh, we will take a uh, decision on it i don't think this report will see the huh? it will never see the light of the day. light of the day it will not right it's a very and uh, you know in india it is not uh, you know what do you call any light at the end of tunnel there is a tunnel at the end of every light you should remember that so it won't see what i want to say is it's a very cumbersome and complicated issue counting is very easy to say about you know uh, cost and second issue is every caste is a have got their own sampradayas this many people don't even recognize actually they think you know for instance in terms of namakarna in terms of mundaka in terms of uh, marriages in terms of death also some caste do the uh, last end of last rites on 13th day some caste in india do it on 10th day itself some caste do it on 6th day 6th day of the death is their last rites performed and some caste burn some caste bury we all know that and then uh, this whole thing is not something which is uniform or which is coming over long period of time we may call it uh, and uh, food habits are different and uh, dress habits used to be significantly different now because of urbanization and other thing there is a lot of uh, uh, what one can call commonality in terms of dress habits celebrate festivals of course are different some stress on the festivals so this is something which is very very important once you say that we have to transcend caste then you have to decide you know can government of india announce on the fifth month everybody should do mundaka for instance there will be huge shortage of barbers incidentally it's not uh, you know you you have to have something you can't uh, once you want to have a commonality across the spectrum then you must then namakarna namakarna i think some of you may be knowing i some caste do the namakarna at birth itself some do it on the 10th day some do it after one year till one year this fellow is called tinku or diku or something but they have fixed the name they even tell the registrar this is the name they give some amount to him and keep this name for this fellow and that that time we will so different we are not trying to say this is better method or this is bad there is nothing called better or bad in all this good in this thing it's a system which they follow so if you want to bring all of it into commonality it's not going to be an easy task this is a very very uh, complicated task so one thing is to talk about you know that all castes should be uh, having a you know abolished all should follow the same nothing it is not going to be a easy thing okay but we have one uh, economic census which is conducted regularly by national statistical uh, social organization nsso under cso and it's a very very exhaustive thing they cover all what called entities that is one who sells idli on the street corner to the hindustan lever and the britannia so every entity doing something or other business activity is covered so this is something so they have been doing very regularly 1998 next was 2005 then 2013 and 2017 is to be released that's a lead lag in terms of this 98 they covered 30 million establishments in the country doing some activity for money some activity for money not uh, donation or something they included temple mosques church everything actually all 30 million and 2005 41 million and 13 it was 59 million now it is expected to be around 65 million that's okay more important is in 98 45% of all these establishments in the country were owned by sc st obcs 
in 05, 51% was owned. Zero, 2013, 58% was owned. And it is estimated, not official figures have not come. Now roughly 65 to 68% are going to be owned by SCSTs and OBCs. So what is taking place in India, very loosely you can call, Vaishyavaisation is taking place. Everybody is a Vaishya in this country today. All are into business activity. There is a Dalit Chamber of Commerce which is very, very active and powerful actually. They are consulted by the Finance Minister before the budget. There are many Dalits in uh, South as well as in North who are running huge business enterprises. One of the leading ladies uh, in Agra, she is uh, uh, Tubes, she is uh, Kamani. She is sort of what? 650 crore turnover or something. Some of them are. They are into, Brahmins are into business. Very actively. The entire, for instance, in a sense, IT uh, field, if you see, many of that were all started by. So, all communities are into business. Kshatriyas are into business. and So, it's very something interesting actually. Earlier, government used to be in business, by and large. They were Vaishyas. And others were not uh, active. Actually, government role is Kshatriya, which they have forgotten. Hopefully, now they will again become Kshatriyas. We're taking, you know, security and taking care of the country and other things. All others are getting into. And uh, there are cross-currents. One is the traditional, you know, Marwari and uh, Chetiyars. We all know, you know, it's a la large uh, number of Gujarati business people and other things. Then we have large number of agriculturists getting into active business. Particularly say Andhra Belt actually. Lot of Reddies and Kamas went into business. They are very powerful. This, all these three letter fellows, GMR, GVK, uh, GRV, every V will be there in all the names. Venkateshwara that comes to. So that will be. They are building airports in Istanbul actually. So this is a very, they have gone into all type of construction infrastructure activities, they are very, very uh, known, actually. Similarly, I told you about Gounders, told you about Nadar, told you about Patels, and there are Muslims in Ahmedabad, for instance. It was a 70 crore industry, this uh, kite flying. It was a small activity. Now it has become a, believe me, 15, 1600 crore industry because it has been encouraged and it has become a international kite festival and the people are brought to, you know, Look at our, you know, that has become a very huge empire and most, 95% of it is by the uh, Muslims. So, various groups are now entering into, actively into business. Now, what is the advantage of, uh, you know, the, what one can call the grouping or caste or something? Most important advantage is, initial capital is provided by the community. 80% of Indian small businesses are self-financed or financed by the community. Believe me. In spite of all this bank norm and all the big shouting, only 20% comes from institutional sources. If you go tiny, the micro sector, only 6% comes from institutional sources. I am talking about RBA data. 94% comes from own so, initial capital is extremely important. Could be small amount, but still provide, provision is there. Market access, that is another thing. You know, whenever market is expanding, for instance, in my city, the city is expanding, outskirts and other thing. Newer shops are established by people who are earlier helpers in current shops. They go and set up uh, shops and, uh, and so a lot of... Uh, and uh, understanding intricacies of local laws and regulation. This is another very important thing. Otherwise, you have to spend a huge amount of money to lawyers and chartered accountants. But your community people tell you, when you are doing business, you know, uh, this official, you know, 500 rupees enough to break. Don't uh, go beyond that. This fellow, 1,000 rupees. Like, you know, this very... How to, uh, you know, overcome the laws and regulation. You know, nobody can give you a... No business management school can give you any uh, manuscript on this. No way. 
right it's a word of mouth everywhere all over the world when you go to uk usa because everywhere you have to go by the local laws and regulation that is one of the most important thing in the community thing how they manage the and local laws uh, particularly in our context are all mostly state level laws and most of the union take my word every regulation passed by government is a mechanism for making money by the officials i'm tell you without any you know i'm even before retirement i was telling this even now i can tell this no problem every regular any regulation mean fellows can make more money that's all nothing else so there is one regulation called food and adulteration act i am sure you are aware of it my sure also it is there right fortunately it doesn't cover households i am very you know thanks small mercies you know otherwise every day week my wife has to bribe that fellow you will come to my home and you will look at it oh your cooker is not very clean uh, and then food and adulteration act is not not applicable to households only to hotels he will come and you know everywhere you see in the country this is unity in diversity that i like actually whether it is here or punjab i have seen on envelope he will keep friday or saturday that fellow will come and he will give the envelope that's all matter is simple the, this is the way we have this uh, food and adulteration act very neat and clean nothing i was wrongly put in a committee to review this act people wanted to strengthen this act and finally i was asked by that secretary fellow professor what is your view i told scrap this act there was shock all around sir we have to strengthen i told how many people have died in bangalore eating in restaurants adigas and udupis give me statistics one fellow told no sir stomach ache stomach ache can come even if i eat at home there is no absolutely no need for this act because enlightened self interest you tell me if one hotel fellow will give you any wrong food which will harm you next day you will not be able to run the show because if word of mouth it will spread and nowadays it will spread with all this uh, social media the girl if she sees a cockroach in dosa she will take a selfie cockroach dosa and herself all three and put it into the am i right and it will go to venezuela within a matter of hours this hotel will have to close so there is a huge amount of public awareness these days and by and large even the fellow who sells idli on the road i am telling he is very concerned he is <coughs> not that he is 100% having hygiene and other thing but he is concerned he will not try to give you something which will harm because tomorrow you won't uh, you won't get customers scrap this act. shops and establishment act another biggest possible racket that says sunlight should be there in a shop have you ever seen any uh, surrounding should be clean i buy 15 years i am buying bread for my dog every day morning i go to the shop give him money he gives me bread and in between there is a huge open drain 15 years that shop should be closed and uh, i remember a minister here told we have to implement shops and establishment act 95% of the shops in karnataka has to be closed as i told you by assertion we have got shops and establishment act all shops are very it should have a seating facility can you beat that i can sit only on that rice bag or you know on that cylinder he has kept it should not have rats you should read actually it's a bulky one not a small one bulky exhaustive so when members from europe or us come we show them this is the act they are all very happy because in their country an act mean which will be implemented not in our nobody thinks about in chartered accounting even today there is a paper called banking law and practice in all over the world the paper is banking law here it is taxation laws and practice nobody has thought about it because our practice is totally different than uh, what is told in the law for that uh, your 
community or your caste is very very helpful availability of labor many people don't even realize it many of them bring labor from their own uh, villages their own uh, community and then uh, they for instance retail stores in uh, bangalore most of the muslim retail stores they have people from their uh, locality in kerala similarly from uh, nadars in tamil nadu they bring people from there it's a very common practice availability of credit that's a very very important thing npa is practically low because there is a caste pressure there is always a group pressure so people lend it and uh, he has to find ways and means to return it another thing last but not least is acceptance of failure that is another major if somebody has failed then others don't immediately put him under the bus they try to help him they try to find out in what ways it can so huge amount of uh, uh, this uh, network is also useful in bangalore and south bangalore particularly you cannot buy a bulb or a switch today unless you buy it from a person from rajasthan very simple you try getting it no 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 i am all for local enterprise where is it if i have to search for a okaliga or a lega at the thing i will live in darkness seriously i'm telling you try they are all from a region mewar they are not marwaris mewaris actually over a period of time they have built it they have their sources they have their access to uh, what one can call these uh, electrical they are they are doing good i am not finding fault or anything but this is how the network gets developed actually so this is something which uh, uh, we have to uh, keep in mind and these clusters have also got other externalities many of the places i visited they have colleges run by these people by the you know fellows it's not just they have economic activity or anything of course they have their own association and other thing many of them have built temples in and around there their community temples whichever god they are into right and uh, they have large amount of other social activity in terms of playgrounds in terms of these are all developed in the local areas by them actually so this is also there are huge amount of externalities it's not something to be so by and large caste in business unites caste in politics divides i think this we should remember if you are in business there is huge amount of benefits and opportunities and so there is much less of a division thing but if you are looking at it from politics in terms of getting votes and other thing that's a totally different type of a uh, ball game so there is a massive amount of uh, uh, work we have to undertake in order to establish this and last but not least is most of you would have heard about him i am sure swami vivekananda when he comes from us actually he does a lecture tour of uh, uh, from colombo to almora in those days it was a one one country type of thing it's not separate separate or anything so everywhere people are enthusiastic in uh, you know organizing his talks and other thing because by then the name has spread everywhere that he has uh, gone and done a remarkable job in us so 1897 he is speaking to the hindus of jaffna in those days there was no you know everywhere you know there was no what one can call uh, hide and seek you know people were not uh, you know worried about telling that they are hindus or anything all places hindu mahasabhas were there hindu sangams were there in Al- almora to colombo all places he spoke at hindu associations hindu sangams hindu uh, uh, groups only nobody was uh, we are not adequately secularized in those days anyhow so now it is a different uh, issue he says the older i grow that itself is shocking to me when i was reading because he lived 37 and half 38 years actually when he says older i grow i cannot you know imagine because for us 50 52 years also youth now right so around uh, right 60 also youth somebody told so that's okay so he says the better i seem to think these caste and other time honored institutions of india 
There was a time when I used to think many of them are useless and worthless and uh, should be discarded. The older I grow, the more I seem to feel a diffidence in cursing any of them. Because I realize each one of them is an embodiment of experience of centuries. This is something which uh, it's a, it's a lectures from Colombo to Almora. I have given the exhaustive reference in that book. So, I think it is important for us to realize that caste has a role to play in the economic system of our country in terms of uh, provision of capital, in terms of risk mitigation, in terms of uh, market access, in terms of developing these clusters and other things. And to that extent, I think uh, we require to celebrate the role played by them in uh, enhancing. And these 800 clusters, they constitute uh, anywhere between 40 to 45 percent of our GDP. And that is another important thing, which is uh, uh, not ignored or anything. So, there I rest my case. And I thank you, of course, for being here on this uh, Saturday evening, right? So, wish you all the best, right? Is there any question, answer or anything? Any questions? Of course, if there are very large questions, you can always... Buy this, right? I would uh, strongly recommend you to buy my book and I would strongly recommend uh, to buy his book and read it. In my case, only buying is enough, right? <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. During the British Raj, <coughs> when they conducted the first uh, caste census, uh, they were looking for classes, you know, analogous to their uh, system. But we already had the Chatur world, how they missed this point. We had the analogous. No, no, no. They wanted it hierarchy, most important. Prior to that, there was no hierarchical classification at all in India. Okay. Then my second question is, uh, how, because uh, we all read and then we, we listen to the scholars like you and then uh, we also feel there was no hierarchical caste. But uh, at what point in time of our history, this uh, dirty level of hierarchy came into existence? The British introduced it and we have uh, what one can call internalized it. That's all. Thank you. Right. Well, uh, interesting perspective of, on caste. Uh, now I would like to thank Professor R. Vaidyanathan for taking out time to be amongst us. It is very kind of you, sir. Institute of Engineers has been very kind to provide us this venue. In fact, it has become a ritual to conduct all our talk shows here. Thank you, Institute of Engineers. On behalf of Indic Academy, I would like to thank our photographers, videographers, sound systems for being a constant support to us. Thank you. I thank the media fraternity for constantly giving coverage in the press. Uh, this is very much needed for our uh, progress as Indic Academy is a social activities is what we are doing here. My thanks to all of you in the audience who has been encouraging to conduct, who has been a great inspiration for conducting such uh, programs. Last but not the least, Sri Harikiran Vadlamani, founder of Indic Academy, for being a constant support in conducting such events, without which we would not have been doing such programs. Thank you, sir. Thank you, everybody. Uh, anybody wants to get their autographs? No, uh, he's asking me to introduce our idli dosa batter. We have recently started our idli dosa batter manufacturing. So he asked me to bring the packets. If anybody wants to buy, you can go and buy it. Uh, anybody wants to get, his, get the books, autographs can do it also. And uh, we will also have a, a group photo here. And if anybody has not written their names and uh, phone number, because we will add you to the Indic Academy group later so that uh, for all our future programs we can call you.